0: Welcome to the Coffee and Catnaps Parenting Podcast brought to you by Lake Country Sleep. I'm your host, Erin. I am a boy mom, avid coffee drinker, sleep consultant, and expert in early childhood development and education. I hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to this episode of the Coffee and Catnaps Parenting Podcast. Today, I have Ashley Olson from Heaven Sent Sleep joining me for a conversation. Um, I figured Ashley would be like a very good candidate for this conversation because it's one of those things where you have to tread lightly. So Ashley, welcome to the show. And why don't you give us a little glimpse on what we'll be chatting about tonight?
1: Yes. So the number one request I think every parent has is I don't want any crying involved whenever we do sleep training. And so crying is a very sort of nuanced and multifaceted um, topic. And so I think it deserves attention because a lot of times it's more work for the parent to do on themselves than it is about the baby actually crying.
0: And I fully understand where parents are coming from. I mean, and I'm sure you do too. As a mom, crying bothers us. Like it makes me feel uncomfortable and you know nobody signs up for parenting and says, oh, I can't wait until my baby cries, right? You know,
1: nobody says, I really enjoy the sound of a crying baby, right? But it, and it does, it triggers a physiological response in us. It's supposed to, it tells us to do things. It triggers us to act. And that's a good thing until it triggers us into a panic, right? And then it becomes more, we can dive into this about what it says about us and our egos and things like that. But that's, that's a lot of what it boils down to is that once they start, how do we make them stop? Like, is it ever going to stop? You know, if you've had a colicky baby, you could have some PTSD from that. And you're like, I don't want to hear any more crying again for the rest of my life. I've had my fill. Right. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something that anybody ever says that they can enjoy. um, But When you dive into some of the research about crying, it's healing. Like, it's not something that you want to suppress and never get out. Like, I think the largest part of being a parent is learning to accept this wide range of emotions that are going to come. Because if you've ever had a toddler and they wanted a banana and you peeled it for them or you broke it in half to share with a sibling, like, you know. Those things are going to trigger some sort of emotion in them, so you know those things happen. Bananas can cause
0: really big feelings, can't they?
1: It is the things that you're just like, really. That's what we're going to do today. Okay, that's the one. Yeah.
0: So I feel like first understanding like why babies or children cry can be helpful with trying to wrap our our minds around accepting it right that it Mm -hmm. happens um so what are the main
1: reasons that babies cry well they're gonna have needs that need to be met they're hungry they're dirty they're tired um and so as a baby who can't communicate anything in any sort of way if you you know if you have multiple kids or even if you just have one kid you're gonna miss those early cues sometimes. Like that's just the nature of it. You're not gonna be physically attuned and watching your baby 24-7. It's impossible. And so that's how they're gonna get your attention um, whenever there's an unmet need. Um they could also be completely overwhelmed and overstimulated. They can't regulate themselves. They're, you know, you had a really busy day. Um maybe you were out and about or you were in a crowd or you had, um, you know, people over in your house, you know, things that they have a very low threshold for, um, for being overwhelmed and overstimulated. And so it doesn't take much for them to reach that level and they're going to get it all out with crying. Um, and then again, they can be upset and need to cry to express that, you know? And so I feel like those are really the main reasons that you see crying and so if you can understand like it's not anything against you <laughs> um which is how we take it like a personal attack um then you can see like tangibly there is a reason and it's something that i can address and do something about
0: yeah and i don't know about you but sometimes when i'm personally having like really big feelings and i have a good cry i just feel better
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, there were times where we'd had some crazy day and my kid would cry for five minutes when they went to sleep and they would almost have like their best night of sleep after that. You know, it's like, they just had all this pressure built up and they let it all out and they were like, okay, I'm good. I can breathe. I'm good now, you know? And so I I think parents need to understand that the more that we put a cap on it and try to stop it, the bigger that release is going to be whenever they get the opportunity to do that.
0: Yes. And I think, you know, helping us to identify those causes can help us reframe our thinking about it and essentially our acceptance of that's just life with a baby and a toddler and, you know, even a young preschooler or older child even. Kids have emotions too. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason to suppress them. Instead, we should be supporting them.
1: Exactly. That was something that I feel like was frustrating for my husband and I is, you know, we have a set almost seven year old now and there's times where he's crying and I'm just like, use your words. Like, why are you crying? Why can't you talk to me? And I'm just like, how do I feel when I'm crying? And I have an, you know, I'm upset about something. Like, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to, you know, get my stuff out and, you know, be done with it. And so I think that was something that, we weren't prepared for with an older kid is that they are still going to cry and they're still not going to have their words, you know, like you would expect, you know, maybe from an older child. So that was a tough one for us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So regardless of their age, what are some things we can do to help our children through these bouts of crying? Right. What are, I mean, what are your best, your best tips, best advice?
1: So I think, starting with a reframe for ourselves, right? Like I have met their basic needs. So I can kind of rule that out, you know, check that off the list, accepting that they don't have this like high level of emotional intelligence independently and that they need you to help them regulate and remaining comfortable with crying as a form of communication. And sometimes it's not something that you have to fix. It's something that they just need to feel, and so, um, I, I think that's kind of where you have to start—is rearranging how you think about things, um, and being able to then tell yourself, narrate what's happening, and narrate out loud for them, because you're naming and validating, and um, that's what's going to help build those regulation skills for them um, as they get older. You know, and you—you you can see that. Pay off whenever they do have their words, and you see them modeling what you have modeled back for them. So, taking a deep breath in the moment, which is like almost a number one reset for me, is just taking that pause to be like, okay, you're crying because, so I'm acknowledging that you're upset, Mm -hmm. and then I'm naming why you're upset if I know why. you're mad, you're frustrated, you're crying because, um, you wanted the red plate and I gave you the orange plate. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, just simple narrate, validate, name the emotion for them. And then it's okay to be upset about that tomorrow. We can, we'll do, you know, you can pick a different plate, whatever it is, you know, but it's, it's like that kind of sequence of events that can get you through that. And just sometimes I'm like, you know what, just let it all out. And they look at me and they're like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I wish it was that easy every time. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, they just need that permission to get it all out there. And then they're like, okay, I'm good. Thank you.
0: (laughs) And I think the more that as parents, we're able to help them identify why they're crying and put a name to that emotion for them. The more we can do that, the better they're going to get at, you know, Developing their emotional regulation in a way where they can communicate it in ways other than crying. And that's not to say that's going to happen all the time, but the more we can model that and help them identify that, the better they're going to get at it.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, my kids go through this hating the car seat phase as infants. And it's so much more triggering for me in the car because I feel like I can't necessarily escape it. And I know it's going to last until we get to our destination essentially. Um, And so it's, you know, I can't do anything about it. I can't fix it in, in the moment, you know, things like that that are going through my mind in the car. And so I'm telling them, I know you're upset. I hear you. Mommy's here. You know, I'm talking to them the whole time. And that helps me, almost obviously more than it's helping them. Cause they're like, I don't care what you're saying. I hate being in this seat and there's nothing you can do to make me like it, but it's more helpful for me in the moment because I'm like, okay, I know you're mad because you don't want to be in your car seat. And I'm telling myself these things. So I'm not telling myself other lies that, you know, my ego, I'm not feeding my ego or anything like that.
0: Yeah. That's a great, a great analogy. So when we kind of switch perspectives here, I know you maybe get asked this a lot too, but as a sleep consultant, people are so worried about, well, I don't want my baby to cry during this process. So what is what What can you do? What do you say to a parent who who tries to suppress that instead of support it, even w- when they don't necessarily realize that's what's going on?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So crying is, I mean, it's an unavoidable, unavoidable part of like the human experience, obviously. And so we can do what we can to minimize it, right? Like we don't want them to cry unnecessarily because we put them to bed overtired or, you know, we did something um, that was really overstimulating at the end of the day or things like that. Like things that are mostly in our control. Sometimes it's going to happen. That's fine. But, you know, when you're really consciously like in that sleep training period, you're doing all the things that you can to set them up to be successful. And so when I talk about sleep training, like I talk about how sleep is not something that you have to teach them to do. You're not teaching them how to sleep, you're teaching them how to sleep without certain habits in place. And so that's where the frustration comes from is because you're asking them to do something that is more difficult, um, but obviously, you know, if you're making that change, if there's there's something that's not working, there's a reason that you're wanting to, um, you know, do have different habits in place. And so, the crying is not something that is long term. Um, you know, it's a short term byproduct of a process. And so, there's nothing that you can necessarily do to avoid crying i mean even if even if we're talking about middle of the night sleep training like the only thing that's waking me up in the middle of the night is a crying baby and so i've got to you know like i have to know that they're they have to cry to trigger a response for me and so when i'm thinking about sleep training the only thing that changes with any method is how you are responding to the crying because if they didn't cry, you wouldn't need sleep training, right? Like you put them down, they went to sleep. What would be the purpose of a sleep training method? You know, a sleep training method is just a a behavioral intervention and that behavioral intervention is more for you than them.
0: Yes. And when it comes down to implementing those changes around sleep habits, you know, I, I kind of step back and look at it from the bigger picture, you know, Change is hard for me as an adult. And now I'm asking this of my child. Like, this is all they've known up until this point. And now we're going to rearrange some things, start implementing some new expectations. And of course, they're going to have feelings about that. They're going to be frustrated by that until they get the hang of it. So, are there like certain methods? Um, Let's talk about like the no cry method and speak to a speak to that a little bit about is there actually such a
1: method? I think that no cry is a marketing term. <laughs> um, it sucks you in and really essentially what you're doing is you're trading tears for time um, because there's still going to be tears because again, they've got to trigger a response from you. And so Let's take you know maybe the no cry sleep solutions Pantley pull off right. So if you're pull if you're doing that whole thing that she describes, you know, you they fall asleep, you pull out your boob, they cry, you put them back on, you know, and so it's that same thing. Like they they cried, and so you did something, and so that's all sleep training is going to do. They cry, you do something, and so um, it, you can't escape the crying no matter. What method that you're using. Like it's just either they cry for a second (laughs) and you're responding or they cry for five minutes and you respond. But either way, like the tears are going to be there no matter what you're doing. Right.
0: So when we think about crying from an attachment perspective and let's keep this on the topic of sleep training. So we're responding with a method. And basically when you're supporting secure attachment with your child, that's the whole idea that you are responding to them, you know, especially during a difficult time. So case in point, sleep training. What do you have to add about that?
1: So when we look at the whole picture of secure attachment, that is built over multiple interactions with your child. And so when you look at the big picture of all of the the warm responsiveness that you've provided, sleep training is just a blip in that moment. And you are going to be attuned with your child 20 to 30% of the time. And that's in your, all of your daily interactions. It's not just as it relates to sleep. And so when we think that we are intentionally <laughs> missing the mark 70 to 80% of the time, like a few nights of sleep training, even if you're using extinction, isn't adding up to that much. And so sleep training can actually improve or work towards a secure attachment because you're providing a consistent and predictable response as opposed to sometimes you respond this way, sometimes you respond that way. That's more chaotic and leads to an anxious attachment. Um, and so when you have a plan, when you have a consistent um, and predictable response to them around sleep, that is more comforting to them and builds attachment.
0: Excellent.
1: Thank you. That was super
0: helpful. And I feel like a lot of people who hear that from that perspective are just going to be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of the whole, um, the good enough mother phenomenon is to release yourself from feeling like you've got to hit the mark hundred percent of the time, because they're like, "Mm, even when you try to do that, you're still missing it. 70% 70% of the time. So like cut yourself some slack. <laughs> exactly. 30% is where it's at. Exactly. Good enough. Yes. So Ashley,
0: this has been super informational, very enlightening. Where can people who want more from you find you online and connect with you?
1: Absolutely. So I'm on Instagram at heaven sent sleep. Um you can find me on Facebook at heaven sent sleep. Um and my blog is full of all the research and tons of information that I can, anything that I can put out there, I do. Um, so you can always go to heaven slash blog, and you will find tons and tons of information there. Um, and I try to keep it as evidence-based as I can with, you know, some anecdotal stuff popped in here and there.
0: Great. So make sure you guys connect with Ashley on Instagram, on Facebook check out our website, read through our blog. And for additional sleep resources, you can also head to latecountrysleep.com. Make sure you're following us online on Instagram and on Facebook. Check out the resources on our blog and listen to some more episodes of the podcast. Thank you for listening today and we will see you next time.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. If you found today's episode of the Coffee and Catnaps Parenting Podcast helpful, relevant, timely, relatable, we hope that you subscribe to the show, follow along, leave us a 5-star rating and review and share this with your friends. Your ratings and reviews help grow the show so that we can bring this awesome resource to parents everywhere.